Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And uh, I've had God speak to me earlier in the year about rest, coming to the rest of faith, the rest that faith brings. And uh, so we started off looking at that in last week in Matthew chapter 11, and we looked at verse, Matthew, where is it, Matthew? Somewhere there, I can't even find it. How is it like a Matthew chapter 11? Here it is, 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Now, doesn't that sound like a lot of people you know? Does that sound like someone you know? Burdened, troubled, anxious, uptight, stressed out. Isn't it amazing that with all the gadgets we've got now, all the computers and, and texting and emails and Facebook, that life has become more stressful than ever. And in fact, that the things that people hope to have achieved with all of that don't seem to happen. So you may have heaps of Facebook friends, 2,000 friends on Facebook, but you're still sitting there lonely because there's no one really to talk to face to face. And so technology doesn't solve problems because the problems we really face, the core of them, are found in the heart and in our walk with God. And we've got to find an answer there. And Jesus said, if you're stressed out, come to me. He didn't say this is the solution, step one, three, how to get out of problems. He said, the answer is a person, your connection with a person, and connecting with him and learning. That's what he says, come to me. In other words, let your heart and attention come back on me. And then let me teach you. Let me teach you how to handle life, how to do life. And uh, then he explains that the reason he can teach you how to do life is because he has an attitude of meekness and he has an attitude of humility and he gave an example of how to do life. He faced opposition, he faced accusations, he faced betrayal, he faced offenses, he faced people rejecting him, he faced being misunderstood, he faced every kind of deal you and I could face and he never lost the plot one time. Not once. Even when he's rejected and the disciples say, I got a good idea, Lord. Let's call fire down on that town. You probably would have, wouldn't you? They just rejected you. Yeah, fire. You'd have found the verse in the Old Testament to justify it, I'm sure. But nevertheless, Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. And so he didn't treat people that way. He always showed love and kindness and graciousness. So what we want to do is we want to move on. And Jesus invites us to a lifestyle of learning how to handle life, how to handle the stresses of life. Teenagers, youngsters, financial pressures, pressures everywhere. Interesting thing, the key to this is in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. The key to this is intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Now, a key, like something you've got to do, but again, you know, it's the key is a person. Oh my goodness, it's a person. Just give me a method, one, two, three, that's what I love. And now the answer lies in a person and how you engage with a person of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Peace, peace. That word peace means rest or means prosperity. It means to be in a place of settlement in your heart. It means to be joined or connected to God. So isn't the interesting thing, he tells us that a fruit of the Spirit. Now, a fruit of the Spirit's not something you work to do. The fruit of the Spirit is what appears on the tree when the life of the Spirit is flowing. So peace in your life is an overflow of your connection with God. So we're going to find out how to deal with that. So first, we need to see that there are some things can stop the, the Holy Ghost working in your life. In uh, Judges chapter 16, verse 20, it says of Samson, I won't read it now just for the sake of time. It says of Samson, it says uh, he was in a deep sleep because he was involved with Delilah in sin and sexual sin. It said he'd gone to sleep on her knee. He was under the influence of a spirit. He'd gone into a place of slumber. 
Rotma, and she cut his hair. Got the most expensive haircut in history. Man, oh man. That really cost him. And then it says, she woke him up and said, the Philistines are here. And he jumped up, shook himself, expecting to feel the power of God flowing in his life. And he felt nothing. And this is what the, this is, these are sad words. He didn't realize the Holy Spirit had left him. He wasn't aware the anointing had lifted off him. He wasn't aware the Holy Spirit was no longer available to empower his life anymore. He had grieved the Spirit of God over a period of time so much that now there was no empowerment of the Holy Spirit acting in his life. Now God tells us he'll never take his spirit from us. He said, I'm always with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Spirit of God remains joined to our spirit. But that does not mean that the power and presence and activity of the Spirit is available to you. It's always available, but we can cause a grieving and withdrawing of the Holy Spirit. And then when that happens, like Samson, you end up losing vision, you end up in chains, and you end up in a daily grind. Now, most people wouldn't think of losing their eyes, and they wouldn't think of being in bondage, but daily grind. That rings a bell, doesn't it? The daily grind. Our life is to be full of joy. Not all the time. There'll be some difficult times. Jesus promises his kingdom is righteousness, right relationship with God, then the outcome of that peace, and then joy in the Holy Ghost. Wonderful joy in the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't think that many Christians have got much joy in the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't think so. If you got joy in the Holy Ghost, you laugh a lot more. And you stop frowning as much. Now remember, joy in the Holy Ghost is not something... It's actually something that turns up. It's a person. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Through the Spirit of love, joy, peace. And joy in the Holy Ghost, it's a joy He brings as He is allowed to work in your life. The peace is a peace he brings as he is allowed to work in your life. So these things are fruits on the tree. So what fruits are showing up in your life? Are you stressed out, pressured out, uptight, anxious, wondering how you're going to make the next thing meet? Are you serious? Why? You know, or have you allowed the Holy Spirit to work in you? We need the Holy Ghost. Oh, how we need the Holy Ghost. You can't do life without the Holy Ghost. You know, Jesus didn't say, he didn't say God so loved the world, he gave a book. He gave a person. And when Jesus said, uh, when Jesus left, he said, well, I love you all so much, I don't have to worry about going away, I'm leaving you a book. He didn't say that, he said, I'm leaving you a person who wrote the book. So you need the book, but you need the person. You need the Spirit of God working in your life. And so it's possible for us to lose that flow of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us of Jesus, we look at the example of Jesus, look at this in John 1.33, upon him whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, that's the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that the Holy Ghost descended on Jesus like a dove, like a turtle dove. Notice it doesn't say come down like a pigeon. Come down like a dove. What is, the, what is a dove symbolic of? Peace. Where'd they get that from? See, it's from the Bible. See, the dove is a symbol of peace. The interesting thing about turtle doves is they are a bit wary of humans. They're not at all... Now, a pigeon, they're not wary. They'll just come up. They just want food. See? The, uh, a, 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 a 
a turtle dove is not territorial. In other words, it's got no ownership or anything like that, whereas pigeons are very territorial. Uh, turtle doves won't fight and contend, whereas pigeons will fight one another and contend. Isn't that interesting? Uh, pigeons just will mate with anyone, but turtle doves mate one person for all their life. Isn't that interesting? Difference between turtle doves. So it's no wonder they said the turtle dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. He came on Jesus and remained on Jesus. So there was no, uh, one day the Holy Ghost, another day he's not there. There was no lifting of anointing of Jesus. It rem- the Holy Spirit remained on him because his life was perfectly aligned with the Holy Spirit. Now notice the resting of the Spirit was because Jesus' life was aligned. And so I want us to just have a look at one issue or something here that the Bible is very clear about that can create difficulties for us. Let's have a look in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. You know the verse. There's nothing new in the verse, and I won't even teach anything new. But I just feel it's like God's just bringing a fresh emphasis just on this. Look at this. And he's talking about how to live out the Christian life. And it gets really practical. See? Let him that stole steal no more. Verse 28. Let him labor working with his hands, that, doing that which is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. So when does the thief stop being a thief? When he stops stealing? No. When he starts working and giving. So notice the change here. Now, look what it says here. It says, uh, don't let any corrupt words proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for, for edification, that it impart grace to the hearers. And so this is all one sentence. So now he's talking about your language. That's the way we talk about one another and to one another. About one another and to one another. And it says, don't let any corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but rather talk that will build up and release grace. Now, grace will flow to you. Grace is God's power flowing. It's an enablement. So here's a question for you. How much, after you've interacted with people, have they become empowered and graced and lifted up? It says, and then it says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Uh, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you're sealed the day of redemption. So it's very clear that we can grieve. That word grieve means to, to distress, to cause sorrow, to, to hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. Some of you may not have thought of the Holy Spirit as a person, but the Holy Spirit is incredibly sensitive. There's one thing about being sensitive is it works two ways. So one of the things the Holy Spirit is very sensitive to you. He's sensitive to your needs. He's sensitive to everything that's happening in your life. He is aware of what is going on in your life. At all times, he is aware of what's happening. He is sensitive to your feelings. But the other side of the coin is he's also sensitive to how you treat him. He is sensitive to how you treat him. Now, a lot of people don't even consider the Holy Spirit and his work in their life very much. You know, it's the Father, Son, and Holy Bible. But it's actually Father, Son, and Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And he has been given to you to be a friend and a comforter to you. When you're in distress, he is willing to comfort you. But you've got to turn to him. Now, it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And the first evidence that grieving the Holy Spirit has taken place is how we talk to and about one another. That's the first evidence. And you've got to listen to your mouth. I can tell whether you're grieving the Holy Spirit. It doesn't take long. And uh, some of you may have been in a conversation with someone, and while they were talking, you actually felt quite grieved in your heart as they spoke. That's the Holy Spirit being bearing witness to your spirit. This is not right. You should be not here listening to the stuff. We should stop the stuff being spoken about. See? And then we go on, and, and uh, here it is. So, so it says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. 
He says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away with you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Isn't that fantastic? Eh? <laughs> Don't you love that? So he said, there's some things you've got to make sure you deal with. Because if you don't deal with them, you'll consistently grieve the Holy Spirit and then find you lose vision, you can't see where you should be going, and you become into bondage to certain things, and the life you're living is a grind rather than a joy. So probably for many people, the first evidence something's not right is your life has become a grind. And if your life is a grind, then there's something missing in your connection with the Holy Spirit. There's something going on in your heart needs to be addressed. Second way that you would recognize something's not right is the loss of peace. You may not be aware that the Holy Spirit's drawing back and being grieved, but the loss of peace, meaning you're agitated or in, internally distressed or not at rest, is the indicator the Holy Spirit is drawing back and warning you something's not right. So the most common indication anyone has that the Holy Spirit is struggling with your life and your behaviors and that he is wanting to get your attention is you feel the loss of peace. Loss of peace is number one. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So in other words, when we lack peace in our heart, well, some may never have had peace, of course, but peace is the God's gift to be at rest in the midst of life, to be in a place of calmness when all else is falling away and panicking. You're centered on the Lord Know that even if you don't have the answers, he does. So here we go. We notice here the list of things it says, one after the other, bitterness, wrath, that's you're so that's rage. That's raging anger. And then there's anger, and then there's uh, clamor or loud speaking or or yelling or that kind of thing. Yeah, loud quarreling, loud quarreling, evil speaking, be put away with malice. Malice means you hope someone really gets theirs, you're looking for a chance to pay them back. None of these are all heart issues. They're all heart issues. Now, this, the, the, here's, the, here's the, the, the pattern. It's normally a person gets hurt. They get angry. They don't deal with the anger. The, the hurt, you can't do much about because life deals stuff up that hurts us. That's life. Get used to it. But when you get hurt, then the normal thing is to feel angry. And I've got to do something with the anger because if I don't, I'll soon feel a growing, smoldering resentment towards people, and that can go deeper down in the heart until it forms bitterness. And once bitterness is rooted in your heart, then there's malice and ill will, and, 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 and before you know it, you erupt at the least things. And this is what people do. I had someone, I won't say who it was, I had someone do that the other day. And they did that. Oh, they just stood in front of me, face red, going for it. And I tried to appeal to them and talk to them, that what they're talking about I had nothing to do with. But it didn't make any difference. They had built up this reservoir of anger, and I was the one it was directed to, and I was going to get it. The person responsible came up and said, excuse me, excuse me. It was actually my, it's what I did, what I did. And they, hey, shush! It was me they were out to kill. And I say kill because whenever you've got wrath, you'll have the spirit of murder with it and it ministers to you something that will steal your life away. It, it's a horrendous spirit. Get the spirit of anger. It brings with a spirit of murder. It takes away life. You know, Cain was angry at his brother. He ended up killing him. So you may not physically murder people, but there's lots of ways we can murder people. Lots of ways. So, and notice there, it says, 
He says, it starts off with get people getting hurt. So here's the question to ask you, why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? Why are you angry? Let's just talk a little bit about anger. And uh, notice here in Ephesians 4.26, it says, it's okay to get angry. Ah, tell someone next to you, it's okay to get angry. They punch them at times. It's okay to get angry. <laughs> it's okay to get angry, all right? So it says, it says okay to get angry, because God gets angry. Angry is just the motion. Anger is a single signal. Did I say single? Anger signal that something's not right going on inside. We all know what the message is. It's not going right. So anger is just a signal. And it says, it's okay to be angry, but don't sin, and don't let the sun go down on your anger. So here's the deal. You can get angry. Now, that's quite a release, because actually, all of us get angry. And you say, well, that's a person so sweet and nice, they never get angry. Don't you worry, they get angry. They just they learn habits of burying the anger and smoldering, seething rage inside. You know, everyone gets, it's just part of what happens when something happens in our life and we lose something. We'll see that in a moment. So it says, it says, now don't sin with your anger. In other words, deal with your anger properly. And thirdly, here's the time frame to deal with it one day. Before the sun's gone down, deal with it. Sort it out and get rid of it. So if you've had something that upset you yesterday and you're still sitting it on today, you are now sinning. No matter whether they were right or wrong, you've held your anger overnight, you've kept your anger, you've laid there with lying awake, stewing about them, wake up stewing about this thing. And you know, what you should have done was before you went to bed, sorted it out. Let not the sun go down on your anger. So that means about sundown, you should have addressed your anger. Should have addressed the issue that caused you to get so angry and upset. Now I want to just talk briefly on that and just give you some some, some ways to approach it that'll be helpful. Because remember, this is what grieves the Holy Spirit. If you don't deal with anger, then what anger does, it leads to all the other things, uh, the quarreling, the bitterness, the resentments, the uh, judgments, all kinds of stuff comes out just not dealing with anger. So here's the thing. We tend to get angry when we don't get what we want. I was wanting to get to church on time. You will notice I didn't get to church on time. But I laughed because I saw exactly what God was up to. It was a choice how to handle anger. Very simply, just deal with it before you get to church. <laughs> Did you want to have the Holy Ghost? I want to keep your joy. I could have gone all the way to church. You know, I could have done that. You know, and then you arrive and then, oh, hello, praise the Lord, you know. Glory to God. That's what a lot of people do. A lot of people do that. They're furious all the way to church. Then, hello, brother. Bless you, brother. And praise the Lord. But you know one thing that's, that's very religious. It looks good, but no Holy Ghost there. Because the moment they get out there on the drive, they're on. They're going again. They're going again. So here's the core of the thing. Anger, anger comes when you don't get what you want or what you feel you're entitled to, that's when we get angry. Now, when we feel our rights have been <laughs> overlooked, or we feel the entitlements we should have, or what should come to us, don't come, that's when anger arises. So uh, it's an issue then of rights and entitlements. It's an issue of something we expected to happen didn't happen, or something we didn't expect to happen happened. So generally, anger means that something, one of your rights or something of your expectations was not met. And so the consequence is you feel someone's robbed you. Someone has robbed you of something that you wanted. And that's why we get angry. 
we get angry because we believe something was taken from us. It may well be something was. So you can understand a, a child, parents break up, of course they feel angry. They've got every right to feel angry. Something's taken away from them. So they feel angry. And so you can go through the list of life, all the things that were taken away from you or you thought were taken away from you or felt entitled to and it didn't come. So you get angry. That's what people do. They get angry when something is taken away. And so when people get angry, here's the bottom line is, you think, you owe me. You owe me. That's what happens. We read, you owe me. You owe me. Well, what do you owe me? Well, you owe me an apology. Or you owe me some money. Or you owe me this. Or you owe me that. Or you owe me, I'm owed. So you can understand that when people feel something that they wanted, a right they wanted, or a demand they wanted, or an entitlement they had, when that seems to have been taken away, the person gets angry, and inside they put the person that they're angry at under a debt. You owe me. I'm owed. And if people don't deal with it, it comes better. And then you know what? After a while, everyone owes me. And you get with someone who's angry, man, oh man, everybody owes them. And they're angry no matter where they go. You cannot reason with them. They're just angry. And you hang around, and the Bible says in Proverbs, it says you hang around with an angry person, it'll, it'll do you no good. It says don't, hang, don't make friends with an angry person because you'll learn their ways and it will snare your soul. So anger is a contagious disease of the heart, every bit like bitterness is. Anger is a contagious disease. You let anger sit in your heart, it's a contagious disease. Why? Because you will hold over people that you owe me. You'll have demands everywhere. So it starts small, it grows, and it becomes a real issue. So when someone's angry, there'll always be an overflow out of their life. They either internalize it, and then they get depressed and stressed, and maybe get sick, or withdraw, or shut down, or have all kinds of issues, or they blow out and let it all go out, or they find some way to vent it. Because normally when someone, here's the deal, when a person's angry, I'm owed something. Somebody owes me. Somebody owes me. Somebody should pay me back. And so you can see how that turns to ill will and bitterness and revenge and all the kind of stuff. That's why people get stuck on, on revenge. Utu. I want payback. And if you can't give it to me, well, I'm going to punish you in a way that you'll be sorry you ever did this to me. And you have a look at that. That's what movies are full of. That's what life is full of. So you've got to have a simple way of dealing with it. How do we deal with it? She said, it's okay to feel angry when things go wrong. Just handle it. Handle it so you don't end up grieving the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit upset by being angry? Not at all. He's not upset by being angry at all. What he's upset is you're failing to deal with it and then having a demand that I'm owed. And that demand is a, literally leads to a pressure put on everyone around you because of your anger. So let's have a look at it. Here it is. Here's some simple things you can do. Number one, there is a way through it. Here's a few steps that you have. It's a process, and it involves the Holy Spirit uh, because without Him, you don't get free of your anger. Because many times, the thing that triggered your anger to explode was not necessarily the thing you were so angry at. So you go to people, and they're nice all day at work, and they come home, and then the cat just gets in the way. Next thing you know, the cat is getting it. There's a download of anger and kicking the cat and whatever. And, and you think, whoo, all the cat, poor cat just walked in front of your path and actually just got away as you were coming through the door. And yet the cat gets off. What the cat has got is the overflow of all the anger the person's built up all through the day 
having to cope with stuff but not really dealing with their anger. So it just flies out and the cat gets it or the kids get it or the wife gets it or someone gets it. Why? Because I'm owed. And if I don't address it directly where it needs to be addressed, it'll find a way out. It'll be you, you know, because you remind me of someone who did. That's why you know, people tend to marry someone who, who's very like the unresolved issues that come from in their family. <laughs> they, get, they love them and then they get angry at them. It's amazing, isn't it? Anyway, here we go. So number one, you need to identify who, who am I angry at? Who am I angry at? Now that may not be as easy. You may need the Holy Spirit to help you because you think I'm angry at this person. Actually, it's deeper than that. So ask the Holy Spirit to show, well, who am I angry with? Who am I angry with? You see, if I don't address where the anger came from, I can't solve it. Very, very simple. So here's the number one, you need to address that. So, so where's, who's the source? So, so you could ask these kind of questions. Who do I hope I never see again? I hope I never see them again. Tick that name. You're angry there. Okay. And uh, here's another one. Uh, here's another one uh, you might like to ask is this, who do I want to pay back? Oh, that's another one. And who, when they fail and fall over, mm, I'm glad. Really? It shows you've got buried anger underneath there. You need to deal with it. So, so, so think about it, okay? <laughs> who is it you secretly hope will fail? And when they do, you're very happy. You'd be surprised in the Kiwi culture there's so much rejection that breeds anger. Like they just love to see someone tall poppy fail and fall. It's just unresolved stuff. We've got to deal, we've got to face this. Who are you angry at? Who are you angry at? Who are you angry at? Okay, then what do they owe you? What do they owe you? What is it you're angry about? What do they owe you? See? It can't be general. It must be specific. There's something you've lost. There's something you want, something you're entitled to. What, what was taken from you that you really are upset at? What right was violated? That's the thing to find out. What of my rights was violated? What does this person owe you? What did they take? They took away my happiness. They took, I was entitled to have a happy family, and they took it all away. Just think about it. See, here's the thing you might have to think. What do they need to do to put it right? And here's the problem you'll find. A lot of situations in life, there's nothing the person could do enough to put it right. You think of a father commits adultery, betrays his family, breaks up the marriage, and the whole family goes into disaster zone. How could he put that right? There's almost nothing he can do that could fix it. But there's something you can do to walk free of it. What he could do would be to acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the hurt, uh, take responsibility, express apology, but that often never happens. And so people are left and they think, you owe me but they may never, ever come to the place of ever wanting to put it right. So what do you do if someone doesn't want to put it right? You've still got to face dealing with the anger you have in your own heart. Otherwise, it grieves the Holy Spirit and wrecks you. Why would you let your life be controlled by someone else and what they did or didn't do? That's the question. So we can simply solve that. We ask the question, well, who am I angry at? What am I angry about? What is it they've taken from me? I think the third thing that's important to do is just grieve the loss. Just grieve that there is a real loss. I think emotions are fine. You just need to cry them out, express them out. And in fact, if people try to forgive before, they, uh, before they've grieved. They never, ever forgive from the heart. Uh, the next thing, it is very clear. Notice the, the key, key out is very simple. It says here, uh, it very clearly in the Ephesians 4, it says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. So that makes it real clear the path through is to let the debt go. Let the debt go. 
So who are you mad at? Why are you mad? What they take? What's the right that's violated or entitlement you didn't get? Now grieve over the loss if you need to grieve over the loss and get rid of the emotions. Then it's important to actually then let it go. Let it go. I forgive. I release. You've got to make a decision. Let it go. Let it go. Tell someone next to you, let it go. Let it go. It's killing you. You'll grow old and ugly early. You have to think of all the of people that you've met, old people you met, and they look ugly. They look really ugly. And the reason they look so ugly is the bitterness on their face because they're mm, uh, uh, stuff they've sat on for years. And you don't have to talk with them long. And, and out they go. You think, hey, what did I just, I pushed the button, something went off. That's not the beauty of Jesus. Speak bitter old biddy. It's not right. We need to deal with this sort of stuff. See, so we need to say, make a decision. I will release it and let it go. And I've made judgments about all kinds of people. I will renounce them and let them go. I will forgive. And here's why I forgive. Because God in Christ forgave me. I'm a forgiven person and forgiveness is what I live out. I live in grace. I choose to live in grace. Choose to live in grace. He's called the spirit of grace. So if your rights have been violated and you're very, very angry, there is a spirit of grace to empower you. Do what? To handle the loss and to release the people. Handle the loss, release the people, even as God did for you. It's not so hard, is it? Except when you have to do it. Except when you have to do it. And here's the last, because some people just don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. I won't let go. They deserve. You see, that something was taken and you owe me. Well, they may never give it back. So what you've got to do is make the decision, I'm going to let it go. Here's the last thing, because I found just letting it go, you find the next day you pick it up again. How many found the next day? You're angry again, because there you are. They did that same thing that so annoys you. And there you go, your face puckers up again, your frown bows, before you know it, the fire's all burning again. You're back again. Anger's going again. Look at that. You know? And, and how can we live out a powerful life if we don't handle this disease of the heart? Anger. Need to deal with it. And so I felt one of the last things that's a help is this, and that is to hold the person in your heart in prayer and pray blessing on them. Pray blessing on them. Jesus told us to bless those who curse us, pray for those who despitefully use us. So maybe this person uh, has despitefully used you and continues to do so. If they continue to do so, then you do need to have a confrontational experience, but not if you've got anger in you. Don't even think of trying to work anything out until you've dealt with your own anger. Because all that'll happen is you'll hide your anger and try, we need to come and have a talk. You come to have a talk next one, and it's all out there, and it's got now, it's even worse. So don't even think to try and put anything right with anyone until you've resolved what's in your own heart first. Jesus wants us, no matter what anyone else does in life, to be able to walk in joy and peace and rest. And maybe others don't get to put things right. Maybe they keep still doing goofy sort of stuff. It's appropriate to set boundaries at times. It's appropriate to confront at times. But the biggest thing to do is to learn to let things go to the Lord's hands and to let your own heart be changed by the experience to come into the revelation of what's called grace and come there by peace. So let's just close our eyes right now. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit of grace is on our life. We thank you, Lord. We in no way want to grieve you and quench the operation of your presence in our life. 
we ask, Lord, for great grace. Lord, just pray right now that you'd bring a revelation to hearts of evil. Listen, if you're just sitting here today and you don't know Jesus, this would be a great day to give your life to Jesus. Great day to open your heart to God and to come to know him as your friend. Jesus died on the cross to make this possible, but it requires a decision and a choice to recognize this offer he's made and receive him. Respond and receive him. Is anyone here ready to make that decision? I'd love you just to raise your hand right now if you're at that place. Maybe others here today, and as I've shared, you think this is, boy, this is, he must be listening to my conversations. No, I wasn't, but I was listening to the Holy Ghost last night, and as I went to sleep, and he started to talk to me about this, I woke up trying to, I had another message already, and then he said, nah, that's not the one. I want you to talk about this. We want to enjoy him in our lives and manifest his fruit in our lives. And that means we need to deceive the things that disturb him. And holding on to my rights, entitlements, and putting demands on people, it grieves him and it leaves me angry. If I can just let go, say, God, my life is in your hand. You know what it says of Jesus? It said, learn of me. Let me teach you, for I am meek. That word meek means it's the opposite of being angry. It means my strength is managed and I don't rise up when my rights are a violate. I've learned how to manage my inner life. It's a great strength, great strength. I wonder if God spoke to you today. Don't just raise your hand and say, God's talking to me about things I need to put right. Would you just do that right now? God bless, God bless, God bless. Many hands, God bless, many hands. And now don't give someone an elbow and say he was talking to you. It would be a sharp elbow, I'm sure, an angry elbow, you know. No angry elbows today. Just, just is God speaking to me? <laughs> if I'm angry, then how's it showing up in my life? Where's it come from? Who am I angry at? What, what was taken? What do I think I was owed that's taken from me? And am I willing to just find God's grace in this and release grace to that person? Grace or judgment? Which will I walk in? I pray that God will empower you and help you, minister to you deeply in this area, and bring you to a place where quickly you're able to sort through feelings of anger, bitterness, things that come that disturb us about the behaviors of others and how we're treated, and that you would walk in great grace and rest in your heart. Amen. 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 Josie would like to step up just for a moment. Josie, just come and just stand out here in the, in, just in the center there. Just right in the center aisle. Yeah. Just come and stand there. You just stand. Someone come and stand behind her. Just stay where you are, just there. That's right. Stand where you are. I want you just to relax. Lay your heart just to open up to, up to, just up to the Holy Spirit. When our heart is at rest and peace, his presence rests on us very easily. In just a moment, as you just remain there in a place of worship and rest, the Spirit of God will just come over your life. He loves to rest where people have got peace in their heart. The Holy Spirit is real. His presence and activity is real. Very real. When we grieve Him, that's very real too. When he's no longer strengthening us for the day, that's very real too. 
But I love it when we can make a decision like Jesus to have our life aligned so the Spirit remains on us and we minister the life of Jesus. Jill, why don't you step out? Step out where you are. Just come forward. That's it. Stop just there. I don't want to stand near you to minister to you. I want people to see really it's just a work of the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit came down and remained on Jesus. That's that anointing for empowerment. I want you just to close your eyes, open your heart, and just relax and allow the Spirit of God to rest on you right now. Holy Spirit, come. 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 Imagine if we had a whole church of people that have learned to walk in a place of rest and peace in the Holy Ghost. How much we would see of God working through us to touch others. Say amen.